Hello guys and welcome back to another episode of There's a Bloodlight That Never Goes Out podcast. As ever, I am joined by Tom and Will. How are we guys? Yeah, very good, thanks. Yeah, I'm good, thank you, Ed. Great stuff. Um, we're going to be doing our Euros squads, our finalised Euros squads. Those of you who have been here since day one, uh, admittedly probably very few of you, um, will know that this was the first podcast we ever did with... A lot worse audio quality and a lot less structure. Um, hopefully, since that time, mm. we've got a lot better, uh, a lot, a little bit more professional, but hopefully not too much. Um, but it's two months ago now, and we've seen a hell of a lot of thrills, spills, and everything in between. So let's get into the most obvious starting position, and that is the goalkeepers. Um, mm. We picked three each, and I think it's fair to say that there's the mood amongst the nations. There's four real options. Uh, Jordan Pickford, Nick Pope, Sam Johnston, and obviously Dean Henderson. So that means one will unfortunately miss out. Um, Tom, who have you gone for? Um, I think I've gone for the sort of the McDonald's Big Mac without any sauce on it. You know, <laughs> um, I, I've I've just gone straight up Johnston, Pickford, Henderson. It's really plain. It's three goalkeepers who are pretty much identical in their styles. Um, can play out from the back, shot stoppers at large. Um, yeah, and it, it it was a hard it was a hard choice because England's goalkeepers are really good. We're not in a position where five years ago where we we're looking at you know Papadoman's Joe Hart in his nets. It's it really is a a, a good choice, and I, I only omitted Nick Pope because I don't think his kicking game's too strong and the fact that he's carrying a knock. Um, yeah. But it, it's one of them, isn't it? Who do you pick in? Anyone could be the number one. I think Gareth will probably pick Jordan Pickford because you know he has his favourites. And to be fair, he's got England form. And you know, me and Ed and Will, for that matter, um, we all agree that the England form thing isn't a myth and that it absolutely reeks of Danny Welbeck circa 2013. Um, and yeah, Pickford certainly has that. I think Dean Anderson's one of the best keepers in the Premier League at the minute. So it, it, it's a real toss-up. Um, who, who have you lads got as your three? Go on, Ed. You can go first. Yeah, um, I've got, I agree with you on Jordan Pickford, Sam Johnson. Um, I'm going to deviate, though. Um, mm. I've got Nick Pope, uh, emitting Dean Henderson. Um, now, of course, let's get the obvious elephant in the room out of the way. Dean Henderson, obviously, played for United for two seasons. Has <laughs> that sort of influenced my judgment? Who knows? Um but what I will say is that I feel like all four of these keepers are an in incredibly level playing field. There's no real yeah. standouts. Um, I agree with you when you say Pickford is probably going to be Southgate's number one choice. And in my opinion, rightly so. I think he suits England's style of play the best. Um, let's not forget, you know, he's starting to cut out those mistakes from his game. Only two errors leading to, to goals this campaign. And he's been pretty solid for Everton between sticks, especially sort of the second half of the campaign as well. Um, you know, Dean Henderson, now I might be wrong here in my opinions, but I feel like him getting the starting berth at Manchester United was sort of more De Gea's errors rather than Henderson properly pushing that position. Now, of course, he's going to have to take that chance and he has done. Um, I mean, you look at the Liverpool game, he was, you know, at fault for, for multiple goals, in my opinion, in that game. Mm. Um, and, you know, will we see a return to De Gea? Who knows? Um you know, in the Europa League final, 
Um, I'm not saying Dean Henderson's a bad keeper at all. And it's also worth noting that this is probably going to be a third choice. So it's pretty irrelevant who we pick. Um, you know, so I just think Pope slightly pips it more. Um, he's solid and been solid for seasons now at Burnley. I, I know he's obviously carrying a knock at the time of recording, but I'd look at Sean Dyche's comments and he said, you know, you know, touch and go for, for the most recent games. So it doesn't seem that serious. Um, and yeah, that's that's my three. I mean, Will, who have you gone for? Yeah, so we've actually all got slightly different three because I've gone for Henderson, Johnston and Pope leaving Pickford out, which is probably fairly controversial leaving Mr England out. But for me, I think... With the Shot three back chosen, and stomping. Uh, there you go. <laughs> with the three I've chosen, you've got all three areas kind of covered. You know, you've got Henderson good with his feet, can play out from the back and is experienced at doing so in that Manchester United team. Sam Johnson, I think, is a brilliant shot stopper, probably one of the best in the Premier League. Um, obviously, concedes a lot, but when you've got that back line in front of you, you know, what, it doesn't really sum yeah. up as a goalkeeper, does it? Yeah. And Nick Pope, he's obviously the tall, sort of youthful, dealing with crosses, etc. So I think there you've got three similar but different keepers who can cover all areas, depending on you know what we think England need the most or what Southgate thinks England needs the most um, so yeah I have left Pickford out but I just think there's adequate reason for doing so it's not necessarily a reflection of his season I'm not saying he's had a dreadful season I just think these three bring something slightly more that he doesn't um, I think he's maybe a bit more complete than some of them but when you've got three keepers to choose from I think having their own individual strengths which like dominate, I think is more important. So yeah, that's why I've gone mm. for those three. Good point. Good point. I mean, yeah. my only slight query is that Pickford's done on a big stage in terms of penalty shootouts. Um, yes, yeah. And you know, when you get into knockout stage of a tournament, the chance of a penalty shootout aren't you know too low at all. And um, so I think you know, Pickford obviously did it in the World Cup, did it in the Nations League. So. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you made a very valid point about each of their individual strengths, and you're right in many aspects of that. Um, I think it's also worth noting this is our subjective squads. Obviously, yeah. we all know the chances of uh, Southgate dropping uh, Pickford are none. So, yeah. um, you know, that's worth noting. But no, you made some valid points. And my only slight worry would be when you get into that penalty shootout situation, you sort of want someone to rely on. Yeah, I think it is a valid point, but if you go into a tournament planning for a penalty shootout you know it's it's not going no. in with the best intentions um and i think someone like sam johnston i think he'd do a as good a, as good a job as pickford perhaps but like you say it's uh, uh i mean you say, you say four out of ten penalties this season um, well, for the baggies. Mm -hmm. um here's a harsh call leaving pickford out and realistically will it happen no but you know it's all opinion based i guess yeah, and and there's just there's so many pros and cons to each keeper. Like I think I said it a little bit in in my explanations, but with Pope, he's more aerially dominant than the other keepers, and I think he's, I think he's, he's an underrated aspect of his game is his shot stopping. He's really good at saving with his feet, um, but he can't play out from the back. Similarly with Pickford, his um, his aerial sort of domination of his box isn't very good, but he's really good at playing out from the back. Um, and then I think. As much as Johnston this season has proved to be a shot stopper because of the volume of shots he's faced, he's a bit more of an all-rounder, as is Dean Henderson. But 
it's it's just it really is a toss up and I think whoever Gareth takes to the Euros, um, I think no one will have any complaints um, unless he ends up taking you know David Button um, or Jason <laughs> Steele, um, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think all of England's uh, goalkeepers are pretty good. Um, moving on to sort of a bit of a more controversial aspect though of our picks. Um, you mentioned Ed that you didn't really pick Henderson not because of the Sheffield United link. Um, why didn't you pick him then? Because you could argue Sam Johnston's only had one season in the Premier League. Uh, Dean Henderson's now had two. Um, and you could also argue that Dean Henderson's years in the Premier League have been of high quality. You know, Look at the drop-off uh, at Sheffield United since he left. No, you make a very good argument. And like I said, it was incredibly tight between the pair. Um, I felt uh, Johnston's shot-stopping ability was, was better. Than Henderson's. Um, obviously, Henderson, you know, it's only been the second half last day of this campaign that he's coming in and played regular football against a major tournament. Um, I personally feel you want someone who's been playing all season. And so, you know, it's that consistency. Um, uh, and, you know, Henderson, I think it's going to be really interesting to see who he takes um, because I, I don't think it's clear cut. I really do think mm. this is one of the areas of the squad where it, it could be anyone. Um, you know, Pickford aside, guaranteed. The other three are all you make that last dash sort of thing. Um, but it was incredibly tight. It wasn't a clear cut decision. Like I said, when it's third choice, it's you know, it's coming down to the fine margins, isn't it? It's it really mm. is the the the, the, the minute details. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair enough. Um, moving on to the defence, then now we've got a bit of an issue with the lighting there. Um, let's try to sort that. Um, we, I think this is probably the most controversial aspects of the England squad these days, with just with the the volume of right backs. Um, but lads, we've we've we will probably leave that towards the end of our defence. Um, and obviously, the, the the viewers can see on screen who we've picked already. But starting off sort of at the left side of the defence, we're all in agreement here that that Luke Shaw. And Ben Chilwell should be England's left backs at uh, this summer's championships. Um, why, why do we think that, that Luke Shaw should be? Because, you know, it, it gets said in the media often this, this redemption arc for Luke Shaw um, has, has been huge this season. And he's been arguably Manchester United's best player, who are the second best team in the country at the minute. Um, and at times, I think he's looked like the best left back in the world. So going into the Euros... How nailed on do you think he is not only to be in the squad, but also to be in Gareth's starting eleven? I personally don't think he will start. Um, I think he should start. But I think Gareth will go for Chilwell. And the more you read, the more you get that impression. Um, I think Shaw is far more complete than Chilwell. Better defensively, in my opinion. Um, and stronger. Uh, yeah, I think the, you know, if you'd have, told me last year, you know, if, you, if we're doing a, a class at Euro 2020, when it was 2020 squad, you know, none of us really would have put Shaw in the, in the conversation, particularly I don't think. Um, and, you know, all credit to him, um, you know, he's he's come this season and, and, and tore the league apart at times. Um, you know, five assists isn't bad at all from, from a left-back, and, and he would start for me, but I just don't see Southgate starting um, yeah. and favouring Chilwell. Um, I'd <laughs> I do think Chilwell's better going forward personally than, right. than Luke Shaw. Um, but like I said, I think when 
as we'll come on to later, the attacking, uh, the array of attacking talent, Southgate's got his disposal. You know, you don't particularly need that attacking fullback. You you need your, you know, your back four or back five, whatever you're going to go for, to be very solid. Um, and therefore, you know, I think Shaw's better suited to that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair enough. Um, Will, you know, you're looking at the left-back picture and we're seeing Ben Chilwell, who's had inconsistent minutes for Chelsea this season, yeah. it has to be said, versus Luke Shaw in the form of his life playing every week for Manchester United. So why do you think that argument even is there? Personally, I don't think it should be. I think Luke Shaw yeah. starts clear, in my opinion. Um, I think Chilwell, he's got some good aspects going forward, you know, but I think he's a wing-back and that's why he works in Chelsea's system, playing as a wing-back. I just don't think defensively he's anywhere near as good as Luke Shaw. And I would argue that Luke Shaw definitely matches him, at least going forward. I think Luke Shaw's always been fairly solid defensively, but this season especially he's developed into what we'd call sort of a modern-day full-back, which is overlapping-wise, he's brilliant down that left-hand side, and you know his, his crossing, etc., has improved massively. And so, like you say, in a Man United team which have performed well this season, he's been a standout player. And so, for me, he's got to feature in this in this England team. And Southgate, in my opinion, picking Chilwell over him would be would be a massive mistake. Yeah, yeah, I think that that that's definitely uh, the case for me as well. I agree with what you lads have said. Maybe not in the sense that um, you know Chilwell's better going forward, but. And as much as I'd love to see Luke Shaw start, I just think Gareth Southgate's, um, I think he's a bit of a clown at times with his selections. And as much as he gets things spot on tactically, sometimes you are left sort of foaming at the mouth at his team selection. The thing with Southgate is he's very sort of unformed based. Um, mm. He has his favourites, that's clear to see. Um, and, you you know, by the looks of it, you can be in the best form of your life and you might, you know, you're not guaranteed your place if you're not sort of already embedded into his thought process, which is a criticism. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, let's go centre-backs now. Um, I've gone for three centre-backs and then one right. player who can play centre-back in a back right. five. Um, yeah. I, I'll, I'll kick it off. I've, I've gone for Tyrone Mings, John Stones, Harry Maguire. Maguire and Stones to be the partnership mm. for me, obviously. And then uh, Kyle Walker, who obviously we saw the 2018 World Cup, he, you know, in the back five, he was at right side of centre half, and, and he can more than comfortably slot in there. Um, yeah. I think we're all in agreement with Maguire and Stones, so I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll justify the addition of Tyrone Mings. Um, this sort of comes down to biology. Um, and that's the fact that he's left-footed. Because yeah. if he wasn't yeah. left-footed, I would be picking Esri Konza. Um, It's as simple as that. Um, I think Konza has been the better centre-half this season for Villa. Don't get me wrong, both of them have had incredible seasons. Um, I think Mings, though, you go into a, a tournament without a left-footed centre-half. If you do want to maybe go to a back three or just want to bring you know something different in, I think it's a little bit risky. Um, I think also it's a position that he's not going necessarily going to get any game time. So again, it's sort of not irrelevant, but he's there for yeah. experience. Um, either him or Conso, whoever was to be picked. Uh, another positive of Mings though is his his height and his, and his pace. So you know, I'm thinking if you know when we inevitably face Mbappe and Maguire and Stones have both been injured in in, in the 
um, group stages because that'll be our luck. Mm. Then Tyrone Mings is going to be there and pocket him and keep up with him. Um, so, yeah, I went for Mings simply because he's that left-footed option. He's good. He's been decent for England when he's played, I thought, in, you know, in various qualifiers, friendlies, nation leagues and, and the rest. And, yeah. yeah. And, then, and then I'll just touch upon Walker because, um, again, I think he's underrated. Would you like to agree? Um, I feel um, like... Yeah, probably. Probably. I, I feel like with Walker, he's sort of like everyone's... He, he, you know, he's steadily been going along and then this whole host of English right-backs have gone past him and he just sort of... He's like the tortoise in the hair. He just caught them all back up again because we are constantly told about how England had this you know, amazing birth of just young, attacking, good English right-backs. And Walker's a bit of an elder statesman there now, alongside another player who will come on to in a bit. Um, he's got great versatility and um, he's still playing his trade very, very well in a, you know the champions' city. So I think he's got to be there. Yeah, yeah, I can see Will's um, dying to get a word in on, on uh, Killian Walker, so I'll, I'll let you go. Um, I don't think he's underrated. I think he gets adequate rating, in my opinion. <laughs> and that's just, he, he's good, but I do think he's a bit of a, he's quick, he's strong, and that makes up for him not actually being a great footballer, in my opinion. Clearly, I'm not trying mm. to say I'm better than Kyle Walker, but what I mean is, <laughs> I think compared to some of the other right backs on option, um, he's not, in my opinion, in that conversation. And while I am taking him, for me, it is that more, for some reason, we switched to a back five, and like yeah. I say, you can do that job at right centre back, and having that sort of man with pace can be, you know, very handy against the likes, you know, like you said, Ed, some of these top players who were absolutely rapid. But for me, yeah. he doesn't really make it massively anyway into that into that right back position, which obviously we'll move on to. Um, no, no, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. I, I don't. Um, this is for like a centre back option right, who okay. can also play yeah. right back if you have an absolute yeah. crisis there. Um, obviously, yeah. Ed, you said about Tyrone Mings. Um, I did go for Ezri Concer, um, and I think that's just because young, hungry player who's had a great season at Villa. For me, Tyron Mings obviously mentioned the advantage of the left foot height, etc. But I just don't think he's very good. Um, I'm not saying he's bad, but I think Conter is a better centre half than him. Um, and yeah, you know, at the end of the day, you're going into this campaign. I think while you don't want to solely be on form, you have got to look at Conter's had a, in my opinion, much better season than Mings. And so off that, if you're picking between the two, I've got to say Esri Conter. Um, I think this is an interesting one, lads. Um, I'm Team Mings, but I'm all, I I love the way Ed put it in the sense that it's biology that's putting him in, in the squad. And yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement. I mean, you don't have to say about Maguire and Stones. We all know how good they are, and that's yeah. why we're taking them. But in, yeah. in the sense that Tyrone Mings is pretty much the only decent left-footed English centre half around him. You know what? If, if Ethan Pinnock hadn't opted to play for the reggae boys... Um, a couple of months ago, I'd have probably said maybe Pinnock's a shout for the England squad. Um, I think he's a better defender than Tyro Mings. Um, but yeah, Mings, he's been okay for Villa this season, and Villa have been decent defensively, but I, I'm actually taking four centre-halves, um, and obviously Kyle Walker as well, as, as maybe that right-back slash centre-back. But my fourth centre-half, who I think... I think it's absolutely criminal how he's not even in these conversations. It is for Kayo Tamori. 
Um, yeah. Guy's been unbelievable at AC Milan. And if, if in my personal view, I, I don't know if you lads agree with it, I think Serie A is probably the most defensive league in Europe, in the top five leagues, and thus he's seen a hell of a lot of uh, action. And in the games against Manchester United, I was really, really impressed with, with the way he played. You know, he was up against, in those two games, decent Manchester United players, you know, the likes of, of Mason Greenwood, the likes of uh, Marcus Rashford. And yeah, I thought he was really solid. And obviously... You've got to mention how good he's been in Serie A. I mean, that performance against, uh, I think it was Juventus the other week, he was unbelievable, lads. Seriously, unbelievable. And I think he's, if if they seem like not to buy him, yeah, he'll be brilliant for them. But if Chelsea bring him back next season, I think he'll really kick on and become um, probably uh, the partner to Harry Maguire in the England squad of the future. And for the Euros, I just think if Harry Maguire isn't fit enough, he really, you know, he fills that void that we've lost in in Maguire and also that we lost in Joe Gomez in the sense that quick centre-half who can play and who's strong aerially. Um, But yeah, I don't, unfortunately, I don't see him being picked because for some reason Southgate prefers Aston Villa players to AC Milan players. I think Um, to just touch on that, I would probably say... hmm. You know, I hold my hands up. He never really entered the picture for me, but that's solely based off the fact of I don't find myself watching AC Milan very often. Now, clearly, Gary Southgate, being the England manager, should be watching these players. And so, you know, you'd expect, if, like you say, Tommy has been playing well, then, Mm. you know, while it would perhaps be a surprise to some people, then, yeah, if he's been playing well in in a top, you know, European league, then he, by all means, deserves a chance. Um, And, yeah, like, you know, he looked promising uh, at Chelsea and sort of it was a bit of a move you could say out of the blue but you know not a bad move at all on loan to AC Milan um, but yeah I, I think the sole reason why he never really even entered the pitch for me was the fact of I don't really find myself watching AC Milan yeah 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 and that's I fair think, enough I think tomorrow is a great shout um, I mean I'm right, I think he, he's benched Romagnoli hasn't he uh, cap, club captain um, yeah um, yeah He's, yeah, he's, I mean, he's played most of it to Simon Kier, yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and when you're doing that to come into a starting you know, fair play to you, um, and it's another case of an English player going abroad and finding success, which I, I welcome more and more because we see it's getting more and more popular, you know, following the likes of the greats in sort of Ashley Young, Chris Smalling, you know, the best of the yeah. business to go into Italy. Um, but no, um, I'm going to be brutally honest like Will. It's sort of, as soon as you go Maguire and Stones and then you're thinking, well, I need to get about 15 right-backs in here and so you're leaving me with one other option. You know, let's go left foot to Mings. It, it sort mm. of gets put out of the picture a little bit. Um, but no, yeah. more than worthy of a shout. Um, I mean, I, I think we've skirted around the issue for, for a while now. I think we need to tackle it head on oh, and God. delve into those right-back options. Myself, yeah. Kyle Walker aside, I've gone for three. Um, yeah. Saying that just makes me think, what have I done? Um, but it was so hard to keep any of them out. Um, yeah. I mean, should I say who I've got? I'll, yeah, yeah. Um, that's, yeah, go for it. I'll, I'll be brave and I'll say it. I've gone for, uh, in no particular order, may I stress, um, Kieran Trippier, uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold and Rhys James. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, so I'll do, let's do a round of right let's go around, before let's go we get on to it. Um, I'll, I'll go next. Um, I'm taking Kyle Walker as a primary right-back option, really. I mean, he can fill in at centre-half, but I thought he was just so, so good against PSG. Um, I'm also taking Rhys James, as, um, as I think he's, he's an excellent fullback. And I'm also taking Trent Alexander-Arnold because the last sort of four months, he's been the best right back in the country again. Um, who have you got, Will? Uh, yeah, so as I said, Kyle Walker for me, while he obviously can play right back, I've taken him more mm. as a right sen- right-sided centre-back if needed. Uh, but I've gone with Trippier, Rhys James and Trent Alexander-Arnold as well. Yeah. Right. So should we, so, should I mean, we you, Neymar? Who you know, in order of preference, if you like, who's starting? Um, or yeah, this is this is the main. This is where the debate that I think. I mean, it's <laughs> this is going to be so hard to structure because you're just going to have points fly, fly, fly. But you know, it's it's a taste of right, opinions. Number one, number one is that first choice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I'll go, uh, Rhys James. Right. I think my number one spot has changed since two months ago. My number one spot now is Trent Alexander-Arnold. Yeah, and I'm in agreement with Tom. For me, it has to be Trent. So, um, I'll explain why. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you said, Tom, I think Trent, along with that Liverpool side as a whole, haven't had one of their you know, standout seasons. But mm. these last few months going in towards the tournament, he has been brilliant. You know, back yeah. to his sort of really, you know, aggressive attacking style of play. You know, those some of his crosses are like unbelievable. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. For me, I just I do really like Trent. Um, I'm not saying you know compared to someone like Luke Shaw, who is a solid defender in his own right. I'm not saying he matches him defensively, but I do think it's a bit harsh that there's this almost myth that Trent just can't defend whatsoever. I'm not saying he's, yeah. you know, like I said, I'm not saying he's a brilliant defender, but this idea that he lets anyone run past him and his position is always awful, I think would be a little bit harsh. Um, yeah, I just, I, I guess to touch on the other two, with Trippier is, again, solid right back, sort of probably more balanced than Trent in the fact of, you know, his attack, defence, he, he's pretty well-rounded, but with the pick of right backs on hand, I just I don't really see who can be picking Kieran Trippier as their starting right back. Yeah. Um, yeah. Rhys James, you know, again similar to more of a Kyle Walker sort of a strong, quick, physical <coughs> presence. Who you know we've seen uh, in the FA Cup final, he played that right side, right sided centre back, and did it pretty well. So mm. you know we, you're not stuck to these positions. I think there's only really Trent. Who wouldn't and Trent and Trippier, sorry, who wouldn't uh, venture into the centre defensive role, uh, whereas Walker and James yeah. would probably do a job if needed. But yeah, you know these are three very talented right backs I've got here, um, and yeah, for me Trent does edge it. I think Rhys James, you know his sort of attacking play, his crossing is also excellent, um, mm. but I think Trent brings that kind of. You know, with the ball at his feet, sometimes he can do you know some magical stuff, um, and I think we've seen that you know ever more present towards this back end of the season. And so yeah, for me, yeah, for me, Trent takes it. Well, I mean, I'm, I'll just interject here and explain why I've got 
Kieran Trippier in my squad. Um, personally, I thought you know him and Ashley Young at the World Cup three years ago were just amazing. You know they were they were outstanding as as wing backs, but I want to see England venture into a new era now, and I think unfortunately Kieran Trippier's probably still got another couple of years left at the top level, but internationally I think we've got to bring through the next gen and. And for me, Trent Alexander Trent Alexander Arnold um, does everything that Kieran Trippier does, and I think does it better. Um, and similarly, I think Reese James has got the potential to do so, whilst also having that that you know physicality that Trippier doesn't have. Um, and Kyle Walker's just really quick. Um, that I think that probably underestimates how good he is. But yeah, um, Ed, you know you you've you've along with Will got the four right backs slash Kyle Walker as centre half. How come you felt the need to take both uh, Trips and Trent? Yeah, I will run through um, each one just just by what right, I chose. Yeah. Um, starting with Trippier and Trent. Trippier, um, you touched on it there, 2018 World Cup, and he was excellent uh, as a wing-back. And now I know Southgate might not uh, adopt a system that uses wing-backs this, se- uh, this uh, season, sorry, this tournament. But I still think, you know, he can play on the right, he can play on the left. And I also think it's worth noting that, you know, you look at this squad that we picked and a lot of it is sort of, this will be the first tournament for, for this, you know, for a lot of the squad. And, you know, I think there's got to be a good balance there between experience and youth. And that's not necessarily just on the pitch, more about off it, you know, in the camp, um, who's going to be keeping morale high, you know, that level head, that good person to have around, someone Southgate can trust, because we know Southgate loves Trippier. And, you know, that's not at all sort of um, devaluing how good a player Trippier still is, because, he, you know, he got six assists in the league of this season, and yeah. he's been really good. And obviously he saved his band for the gambling um, charges. Um, he's also got, you know, we saw it 2018 World Cup, great dead ball ability. He wouldn't start for me. He wouldn't be my second choice. But I think you need him in the camp. Um, as for Trent, I think it's absolutely ridiculous that Southgate is even considering not taking him. Genuinely scandalous. I cannot see how he can justify it. Um, but my issue with Trent starting in the England squad is, as I touched upon it earlier, with the attacking talent we've got and this sort of gung-ho attitude that I hope we deploy, you need a solid defensive right-back and left-back. And Trent just isn't reliable enough for me defensively. Now, I think he gets a lot of unfair stick defensively, but the facts don't lie about he's not, you know, right at the top of the game defensively-wise. And that leaves Reese James, who I think is the complete right-back. Um, I really do. He can do everything. And um, I think for that reliability and stability at the back and just a man who's going to do, you know, not necessarily the kind of play like Trent where you'll notice him. You know, Reese James will just do his job. Um, and, and in these big tournaments, that's what you need, that solid basis to sort, of, to, to sort of spring off. So that's why I've gone for those in that order. I think it's yeah. it's also important to say that the reason we find ourselves with sort of so many players is because of partly to do with the squad extension in the in the numbers yeah. you can take. And so we are going to find positions where we have seem to have loads of players. Um, touching on the Reese James Trent thing, I I don't know about you guys, but I often see Trent as a more experienced head, even though there's only a year apart yeah. in age. It's yeah. really weird. 
you know, Reese James yeah. seems like the young kid who's new on the block, and Trent seems like he's been around for you know ages. And well, yeah. I just think that's probably because you know Trent was winning a Champions League while Reese James was at Wigan, um, and you know this is normally say no disrespect. This is with full disrespect to Wigan. Um, <laughs> I, I think I think you know Trent's just that he's just that level above, and if it does come to a semi-final or a final, I don't think that phases Trent. Whereas, I don't, as, I don't think it phases Reese James either, because you've got to take him to. I, I don't. I don't. He's just that. that he's just that old trope of being there, done it, got the t-shirt, and I don't know. I just feel as if Reese James. You got to think by this point, by the time of the Euros, Reese James will play in a Champions League final, won't he? You know, he'll have that big game yeah, experience. Yeah. And um, let's not kid ourselves and say Trent's been, a, you know, anything that special for England because he hasn't really. I'm in no way means to disrespect Trent, and I think he's one of the best in the world. But for England, mm-hmm. he hasn't been amazing. Um, Rhys James, I thought, you know, over the spring games, he was really good. Um, yeah, and he was. that idea, of, I know what you mean about, you know, winning Champions League whilst all of us play at the DW Stadium. Um, but I think by that point, we will have seen, you know, he'll have enough big game experience, Reese James, to, to cope with that pressure. And they're elite footballers. You know, it, it really yeah, isn't yeah. that big a step up now, is it? I just think it's those minute sort of, it's it's, it's literally a, a hair in between them two. And it's, yeah. those, it's those little things such as winning Premier Leagues, winning European Cups. That, that I think makes Trent start for England. And like I said, two months ago, I had Reese James playing right back. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm a, look, I'm a full, fully paid up member of the Reese James fan club. I just think Trent's that little bit better. Yeah. For me, I mean, this might be partially to do with my Liverpool, little bit of Liverpool bias, but for me, Trent is, we're talking about, you know, when he first burst onto the scene and he is still 22 years old one of the most exciting mm. young players in world football. With Reese James, I think clearly he's got a hell of a lot of potential. He's going to go a long way. I just don't quite think he's got it like Trent did. And and I still think that now. I just think Trent's got that bit more extra quality that he doesn't have. Um, but like I said, yeah. it, it's all opinion-based. Ed, you're yeah. entirely right to, to make points. And you made some very good points to fight Reese James's corner. So... Yeah, yeah. I just think it's 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 not it's a parallel to what we saw. I think about well, it'll have been a while ago now, but at the left back situation we had with England around 2006, you had Wayne Bridge, who was you know a very good left back, you know top level Premier League left back. But then you had Ashley Cole, and you play Ashley Cole because he's the best left back in the world. And I think we're only seeing a year ago that Trent was the best right back in the world on current form. I think he's reclaimed that spot versus Reese James, who's just a very, very good right back. I mean, Ed, you're, you're sort of pulling a little bit of a face there, but genuinely, who's a better right back than Trent Alexander-Arnold? Right now, I'd say Reese James. Right now, genuinely. Wow. Uh, uh, wow. No, no, I, I, don't, I don't see this season, Reese James has you know, proven He's to me. He's just been consistent, he, though. He, He's, he's been but, but putting consistently in... very, very yeah, good. But, yeah, but, but Trent's, Trent's been putting in sixes at the start of the season and then nines now. Reese James has just been putting in seven and a half all year. Uh, personally, I disagree. But 
Whenever I've seen Reese James play this season, he's really impressed me. Whenever I've seen Trent Alexander-Arnold play, he's, I've either thought he's been shite or, wow, mm. he's been amazing. And on his day, Trent Alexander-Arnold is a better right-back. But we're going to a major tournament and on his day isn't good enough. We want someone who we know we can rely on. And Do personally... Yeah, it's this not season. about football. It's 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 um it's the Champions League. James next yeah. in the Champions League. So personally, I, I I'm no disrespect to Trent Alexander and Alexander Arnold, but you know when Liverpool played Real Madrid in the Champions League, you know he was shocking in the away leg. Uh, yeah. Well, it wasn't yeah. the Bernabeu, was it? But the, the, the training well, ground. But for me, <laughs> yeah. you've got to say, like it's an unfair representation because you know. Trent's used to playing next to Virgil van Dijk and he had to play oh, next to Oh, no. Here we go. No, you're going to have a go. But it's true because he gets, you know, his defensive mistakes get pointed out more when you don't have a world-class world class centre-half next to him. Going into this England team, he's going to have John Stones and Harry Maguire who are world-class centre-halves. Yeah. Therefore, it's yeah. all going to be about his attacking game and his attacking game is the best right-back in the world. But I'm saying, in personally, in my opinion, is that we don't need an attacking right back. It's going to be all that attacking. We need someone who's all round. I think the point you just made, whilst I understand it and um, you know it's a fair point, I look at that point and think, well, that just shows that there's been defensive issues in this game the whole time. He's just lucky he's had the best centre back in the world, you know, and also Joe Gomez, obviously, uh, you know, alongside him. So personally. You cannot blame your performances on having Nat Phillips and Reese Williams and Ozan Kabak and all them plays next to you. You can only continue. You can only focus on your performance. And if you're being solid enough at right back, you won't get that criticism for your own mistakes. Okay, you might not put in as you know many good performances, but individual mistakes they're still in your control personally. Mm. I feel well. Listen, so, I think we could be here till next Thursday. And yeah, we still wouldn't agree. It's a contentious um, one. I, I, I like the debate because it shows how good England's right backs are. Yeah, and it was only. Oh, um, you know, yeah, I mean, who started at the Euros for his last time? It was Kyle Walker, wasn't it? But I mean, yeah, look yeah. back ten years, and you're talking Matty Upson was maybe <laughs> going to be starting at right back. So you know, I love to see it, but it's it's really tight. I'll be interested to see who Gareth plays. I'll be very very pissed off if Trent isn't in the squad though, because oh. I know. I know that he's not favoured by a lot of England fans who think he is really suspect defensively, but come on, he's he's in he's in the top three right back at the very England least. Squad, I've lost all 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 hope in Southgate, mm. and we've yeah. not even got to the tournament yet. Like I know exactly. I've just you know battered you know battered for Reece James there, and if his PR <laughs> team do want to get in contact with me, I'm more than welcome to to discuss a price, but. Um, I don't, uh, you know, on record, I think Trent Alexander Alexander Arnold's an un- unbelievable right back um, mm. and has to be number two choice. Yeah. Um, moving on into the midfield then, and the graphic should have appeared on your screen right now, so you'll know who we've got in our midfield. But of course, we'll run through it. Um, Jude Bellingham. Now then, lads, we've all we've all plumped for the for the seventeen year old Brummy. Um, just how good has he been for Borussia Dortmund this season? Unbelievable. Been excellent. I think also worth noting that um, in the previous episode a couple of months ago, um, I categorically said, no way can you take Bellingham. <laughs> um, Bellingham is another one of those that the 
you know, the addition of three extra plays has sort of aided. Um, yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, there's no doubt now after the performance he's pointing against, for example, City in the Champions League, that, you know, you can make the argument that he's not ready for this level of football yet. It just isn't a valid argument anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, 28 appearances in the Bundesliga at 17 years old. <sighs> Unreal. Um, and even if he doesn't play and he's sort of like uh, Alexander Arnold in the 2018 World Cup, go there for the experience. Um, I, you know, I think that can only serve to aid him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Will, Jude Bellingham, talk to me in the words of Terry Tibbs. <laughs> he, he's gone from a, a player where. I, I'll be honest, a few months ago, did I entirely buy the hype around him? I was very happy to see you know, a young English player doing well abroad, obviously. Mm. I don't think I was fully sold on him. And it's now got to the stage where I've seen him play in the Champions League and I'm thinking he looks like one of the best midfielders in his role that England have got. And that seems, some people would say it's a bit far-fetched. I think in his role, he's literally probably the best if not one of the best England have got and he's now he's gone from like you say does he make it does he not to does he start or does he not you know to make that jump in a few months is impressive and yes he's young but when he played in that Dortmund side you know they're playing against the likes of Man City he didn't look like a 17 year old kid on the pitch he looked like he'd been doing it for years he looked so cool and sort of calm on the ball that I wouldn't be scared putting him in a team going into a major tournament. Yeah. and it, Sorry, but just apart from in certain aspects of society, if you're good enough, you're old enough. And um, I, I certainly think, think Bellingham is good enough for England. Um, what were you going to say, Ed? Yeah, I, I should say, slightly disagree on the possibility of starting, just because the strength England have got... Um, Pardon me, and where in the you know the formation we play, um, I mean that's a good point. I mean, I'm personally thinking that we're going to play a four-two-three-one. Um, do you boys agree? I think it'll go to like a five at the back. I hope I hope we play a four-two-three-one or a four-three-three. But I'd, honestly, yeah. I'm, I've I've got the absolute fear that he's going to play a three-four-two-one. Yeah, and I mean if if he does go to three-four-two-one. I think obviously that means two central midfield places, and I think very mm. tough for Bellingham to get in there. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, should, should we go to sort of the holding midfielders? Um, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. And um, I've gone for Declan Rice, Calvin Phillips, and then yeah. um, Jordan Henderson. I think we're all in agreement on that one, aren't we? Um, yeah, should, should, should we take one each then? Should we take one each? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I'll, 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 sorry. Uh, I'll, I'll take I'll take my man Declan Rice. Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll take uh, I'll take big Calvin on there. Big oh, Calvin, Jordan, lovely. You get... <laughs> uh, so Declan Rice. Um, I think you know prior to this season, I thought he's a bit of like you know just a bit okay, you know a solid CDM, but but nothing mm. really more. I thought there Agreed. was a massive element of West Ham sort of biased and East Londoner sort of you know. You know what I mean? That sort of it's a bit of an echo chamber, chamber, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, a bit of a glorified Oliver Skip, but how wrong we were, um, and I, well, how wrong I was. Um, you know, 
And I think he has to start the Euros, regardless of Henderson's mm. fitness situation. I think he's miles ahead of Phillips in terms of selection. I think he can do everything. He's incredible defensively. But also, I think, you know, he's got an 84% dribble success. And when he picks the ball up from midfield and drives with it, taking men on, he's actually really, really good at it. You know, he's surprisingly so. Um, 88% pass success. Just a metronome in the middle, really. That's what he is. Yeah, um, that's a beautiful and, word. And I think he's, he's got to be, you know, I know he's had his injury, but he looks to be back from that. He's obviously playing against West Brom. Uh, missing a penalty, so hopefully doesn't get put on penalties. Um, but no, I think he has to start. I've been thoroughly impressed. If I was, you know, any top six, well, no, I'm not going to include top, Tottenham in that. If I was any top five side, I'd be looking to uh, to purchase him right now. Yeah, I think he'd be a perfect fit at the base of that Manchester United midfield. Really do. Um, the only thing I'd say on Declan Rice is I'm still not fully sold. I think he's He's the man for this England team, but I'm not fully sold whether he's even better than Scott McTominay yet. I think he's got to make that move to a bigger club, and then we'll see. Because I think if if anything's proved um, what what difference it is from a top six team to a top twelve team is Jesse Lingard, and we'll yeah. we'll get on to him later. Um, big Calvin then, or little Calvin? I think he's only about five foot nine. Um, is I think two months ago I said to you boys I said I think he's a system player and I still do think he's a system player, but the 26 man squad it means that he can fit in another holding midfielder just as I could fit in another centre half and striker and I think he benefits from that. Um, I'm not going to say that he's overly impressed me for Leeds um, and I know there's a, a once Leeds United supporter who always listens to this so um, I'm not going to offend him too much um, but I I just don't. I don't see um I just don't see him performing outside that lead system and in a four one four one which leads play, I think that system benefits him massively because he always has, you know, two pressing midfielders in front of him. So anything that gets uh, past that wall of Bielsa press, he can clean that up. And for England you're not gonna have that. You're gonna have more attacking midfields in front of you, or you're gonna have a Declan Rice who likes to have a little bit of a dribble which will leave you exposed and I mean, he's in there in case Jordan Henderson's injury reoccurs. And, yeah, I mean, I'm going to have to shower him with a little bit of praise. It'd be a bit harsh if I just say he's, he's, he's not very good. Um, the one thing that I have been really impressed with him is his passing range this season. Um, last year in the Championship, I thought it might have been a bit of a fugazi how good he was at passing when he was, you know, playing uh, in a league that is below his standard, really. He's a, he's a top-class player. Um, but in the Premiership, he's shown that he can pick out those you know, 30-yard passes, 40-yard passes. And, uh, yeah, I think it's something that's underrated in his game. There was a lot of piss-taking um, when England were playing the likes of San Marino going, well, look at everyone passing it, and Calvin Phillips is only passing it backwards. I think it's I think it's criminal that people think he's only backwards passer. Um, but anyway, let's move on to Hendo. Will, who, uh, what are your thoughts on Captain Fantastic for Liverpool? Um, I think if he's fit, is England's best player in that position. Um, yeah. Mainly because a bit like what you said, Declan Rice, obviously, you know, he showed potential to be as good, but, you know, we've not seen it um, consistently enough, I would say, yet. Whereas Henderson, you know, he's been doing this for a few years now. Um, just brilliant on the ball. I think one big thing for me with Henderson is, is actually his leadership. Um, you know, yeah. In a Liverpool team that's filled with superstars, he's constantly the man who, you know, Jurgen Klopp turns to as his captain. 
And, you know, I would like to see Cap- uh, Southgate mate Henderson, if he's fit, making the captain of this England team. You know, that might nah. get a few frowns. But for me, I don't know. Uh, the way he, he leads on, on and off the pitch, I think, you know, I always think with Henderson, there's not many teams in world football who you wouldn't get who he wouldn't get in the team, which is weird because he's not you know he's not a world superstar. He's not a cruiser and Modric, is he? He's not, but I just think he, he, you know I'd, I'd find it hard apart from maybe you know Man City etc. There's not many teams where he wouldn't get in the team. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean you know like I say love little bit of Liverpool bias, but I do love Henderson. Um, and I think, you know, as I mentioned, leading that Liverpool team to a Champions League and a Premier League, you know, as a player who is filled, you know, surrounded by superstars, I think, you know, yeah. you've got to put a bit of respect on his name. Um, I really do like him. <laughs> and I just, yeah. you know, I do pray to God that he's fit for the tournament because I think he's going to be really important in that England team. Definitely. Yeah, I, I think, think that's, that's fair enough. There's also an argument about where do you play, like what role do you play him as? Do you play him as a six or an eight? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean that leads me on to, to a player I've got here. Um, who I'm, if it was me, I'd play him as an eight, and that's Mason Mount. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think he's shown this season that he's not just an offensive player; he's a real box-to-box midfielder. Um, you know, 84 key passes and 89 chances created in the Premier League this season. Um, absolutely sensational this season for, for Chelsea you know silenced all the critics who thought he's just a teacher's pet um, and shown just how good he is really and, and I and start him as an eight I mean I'm not sure graphics wise who's we're showing now um, whether we're going to we're showing the whole midfield yeah, is that including number 10 and wingers yeah yeah, oh, yeah. it includes some at wingers yeah yeah I mean uh, yeah there's, there's players I play sort of further ahead of them but you've got a game in the team and as a number eight I think he'd be perfect to either then partner along Henderson as a six who personally I think his better position is an eight or Rice mm. as a six um, yeah. so yeah yeah, I think I think Mason Mount has been widely accepted now that he's he's one of the best midfielders in the Premiership and if Chelsea win the Champions League final he's been the driving force for them to get there in a side that struggled for goals he's always driven them on from midfield and popped up um, an important strike into the onion bag and I think that's really important for England because there's, we haven't got many all-rounders in the midfield and Mason Mount's shown that he can do that role. Um, is there anything you want to add on Mason Mount, Will? Because there's an interesting selection, shall we say, from Ed that I want to talk about. Yeah, no, no I think Ed said everything there. It's, he's very diverse, whether he plays in that eight role or whether he plays you know, a bit more attacking, I think he can do both. So it, it's sort of down to what Southgate sees in him. Which knowing Southgate off yeah. of like left wing or something, but you know. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll see yeah. we'll see what happens. Um the man who I want to chat to you about Ed is JWP Ward James Ward Prowse. Um you've got him in your England squad. Now there's a couple of questions that I'll probably throw to you within one um, sort of blurb. Um A James Ward-Prowse, is he anything more than a set-piece merchant? And B, how poor of Southampton being second half the season? So wh- why, what's convinced you to, to keep Ward-Prowse in your England team? Uh, in answer to A, uh, no, I think he's much more than a set-piece merchant. And uh, in answer to B, it's they still offer something very different 
um, to that midfield. Um, you'll have seen by the graphics, I've omitted the likes of Jesse Lingard, a more attacking midfielder. I don't think anyone I've picked here, apart from maybe Jude Bellingham, plays a similar role to James Ward-Prowse. Mm. Um, you know, Ward-Prowse is that more cultured sentiment, box to box, yes. Um, you know, the obvious, like you said, he is a dead ball specialist, but I won't use the term merchant. I think he's got so much more to his game than that. And again, you know, just like sort of Walker and Trippier, you know, these aren't the sort of plays that are going to be starting for England, but, you know, you're in a tight game or you're in a, you know, maybe the third game of the, of the group stage and, and you want to mix it up a little bit. These are sort of plays that might offer you something different. Um, and I think Ward Price does bring something different to this side than other possible midfielders who are all a little bit samey. Very good, but a little bit mm. samey. Um, me, so, yeah, yeah, I think. If I were just going to jump in there, you said about almost that, you know, we've qualified out of the groups, we've got one more game to throw away. For me, you've got to give that to Jude Bellingham. You know, a young lad you've taken into the tournament, you've got to let yeah. a young lad have a go uh, if it's a game that doesn't mean all that much. Uh, like I said, they say they play similar roles. And I just think, you know, out of the two, I think Bellingham already is better, personally. Um, and I think you've got to give the young lad a run. And for me, James Ward-Prowse is, you know, a very solid uh, Premier League midfielder. But, you know, on the array of talent, you know, we've got here, I don't think he makes it. That's fair enough. Yeah. But, you know, I'm thinking maybe, you know, you you get into the end of the game, you've got a 1-0 lead. Um, you might have already brought on Calvin Phillips, but you want some more legs in that midfield. Personally, I'd be more trusted to go with James Ward-Prowse than Jude Bellingham in that crucial moment, simply because of experience. You know, Ward-Prowse got so much more experience than Bellingham at this game, simply due to his age. You know, he got eight goals and seven assists in the league this season from sentiment. Yeah. That's really impressive numbers. Kind of the though. But, you know, you know, but, you know, you've got to be there to score, so I think it's penalties, haven't you? <laughs> Um, yeah, I think yeah, you do. I think that you know, like I said, it's uh, it's an outside pick, but it's a more than justified one, and it's all very subjective as to whether you'll get any game time. Um, and I thought you also impressed again in, in those sort of you know spring games. Um, okay, granted, not against the best opposition, but I thought you impressed. Yeah. Okay. So uh, moving on to another player who all three of us have picked. And that is a man who, you know, there's debates whether he should play as a more left-wing role or whether he plays down the middle. And that is mm. Super Jackie Grealish. Um, like I say, a man who we've all picked, and that's because, you know, he, he is one of England's best talents. Tom, yeah. you know, why is Grealish a must-have for all three of us? Well, putting it succinctly, he's one of England's only world-class players. And I truly do mean that. Um I think he gets looked down upon because he carries an Aston Villa side who were not recently in the who were recently in the Championship. So people don't class them as a as a, an elite club. So why should they have an elite world class player? But they do, and he's he, this is almost becoming a catchphrase for me. But he's a beautiful footballer. He's a footballer who makes you feel something when he's out on the pitch, and he's not just a player who's easy on the eye. His underlying numbers are incredible. Only Bruno Fernandez and Kevin De Bruyne come close when we talk about chances created in the Premier League. And that's Jack Grealish, who's been injured since, what, March, February, with shin splints. Um, six goals and 10 assists without being on um, penalties. Outstanding. 14 big chances created as well. So it's not unfair to say that, you know, with a better striker in front of him, he might be, you know, 15, 16 assists uh, for Villa this season. So, yeah, I think he's unbelievable. 
sadly, yet again, I'm going to be saying this, I don't think Gareth Southgate has the cojones to play Jack Grealish um, in, a, in, a, in a tournament. I just, he doesn't seem to like Mavericks and that just goes to the entire squad. He's, he's definitely a conservative manager. He'd rather be nil-nil at half-time than be 2-2. And it's um, it's probably his most um, negative flaw that, that he can't, can't seem to really go for it. I think we'd have beaten Croatia if we'd have brought someone on better than Eric Dyer when we went uh, 2-1 down. So, um, yeah, I don't think Jack Grealish will get lots of minutes at the Euros, but I certainly hope he does. And, yeah, he's an outstanding footballer. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I guess I'll open this question up to the floor then. You know, are you playing him as a attacking midfielder down the middle or are you sticking him out on the left? Ed, I'll pass you first. Yeah, I'm sticking out on the left. Um, you know, I was very sceptical when he started playing left wing for Dean Smith, as with many Villa fans, and, you know, he just proved himself to be excellent. He has to start for me, but like Tom says, it's not going to happen, is it? Um, yeah. I think, you know, it's that excitement he brings and also that bit of shithousery, you know, Sort of player yeah. you love if he's on your team, hate if he's you know he's not on your team. And the great thing with England is that those sort of rivalries get cast aside, and and you know you love every player in that squad. Um, Imagine and... a bit of Jack Grealish shithouser against Scotland. Imagine how beautiful <laughs> that would be. I reckon he could play you know, like three red cards. I might be lying. Yeah, it's sort of it's Gazaresh though, yeah. isn't it? That you know we could see you know Gazaresh repeat against Scotland. That bit of unpredictability. Mm. He's that sort of player. He is. Um, and like you said, we don't have enough of that in this squad. Um, yeah. No, I, I'm starting him out left, definitely. Um, and then, um, I, are you, I mean, Tommy, are you starting him out left? Um, no, I would. But my objection to that is I'm playing Luke short left back. So, yeah, I think you have to have Rashford on the left wing. Um, obviously, yeah. we'll get onto that in the attack. But, yeah, I, I play I play Grealish down, down the middle. I'd be even tempted. If you really have to shoehorn him into the team, I'd be tempted to play him off the right. Um, but yeah, however Southgate fits him into the team, Grealish is a floater anyway, isn't he? Um, yeah. He doesn't tend to stick in one position. He will, he'll hover around, you know, the the, the opposition's half, and his defensive work's very good as well. So um, yeah, I think you can play him anywhere across the midfield, and he'd be outstanding. Um, another mercurial talent who we have to chat about is a man so good that nobody's even noticed his name's Philip. Um, Phil Foden, um, how good is this guy? I, mean, uh, I know you hate this word, Tom, but on, generational. Yeah, oh, sorry, inject I, that football cliche word, right into the vein. I had to get in there, Will, um, before, before you dealt that blow. Um, <laughs> now, in the conversation with Mbappe and Haaland for going to be you know, Ballon d'Or winner in the future, for yeah. me, starts as the number 10. Like you said, a bit Grealish-esque in terms of that floating nature. Sort of playing on FIFA custom tactics. You take off, stick to position, and then him just roam. Um, eight goals, five assists. In what's been, I don't know whether to consider it, consider it a breakthrough season or not, but it's sort of just been a, a season of progression for him. Um, yeah. And of establishment is how I would put it. I mean, we saw um, against Brighton, what a goal that was. Um, against the Seagulls. It really is. It's you know, streaks will never forget sort of compilation. You know, it's being built right now as we speak. Um, <laughs> so I think he has to start again, though. Southgate just doesn't have the bollocks to do it, I don't think. And he just doesn't yeah. want to. Um, but, you know, he's got to be starting for me. 
what a player. I mean, yeah. you've got to find Pep Guardiola trusts him in Man City's biggest games in, in, in years. So Gareth yeah. Southgate's got to trust him in this England team for me. Yeah. You know, it's, it's as simple as that, really. Um, like you say, we are talking about hopefully, you know, the future sort of top, top talent of world football in Phil Foden. Um, and yeah, I think it'd be criminal not to not see him getting minutes at the Euros. Because uh, I think, again, some of the poorer quality teams, you know, we could see him absolutely tear them apart. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, lads, but this isn't being disrespectful to Scotland um, because we had Robbie Knox on the pod who's, who's an ardent English Scotsman. Um, um, but I, I just think if you put Phil Foden up against Scotland and he's up against, you know, let's not be horrible here, but SPL players, he's going to tear them a new arsehole. Like, yeah. the guy is ridiculous. Um, and, yeah, that I just, I just think England have got the best array of attacking talent we've seen in a squad since 2006 and that back then we had Sven Joran Eriksson and Todd Grip, two of the most, you know, IKEA um, boring um, managers we, we've seen in world football and um, it just, we said this in the last one, but it makes me so sad that Gareth Southgate has the reins over this unbelievable England side and I do think that the likes of Phil Foden and Jack Grealish will sadly be wasted. Yeah, I mean, there's only one man who could stop um, Foden against our Scottish side, and, he, and his name's Grant Hanley. Oh, you know, named in the Scotland squad. England, well, he's been named in the Scotland squad. He's off there, uh, you know, and he would pocket him. But apart from that, no one. Um, you talked there about Southgate having the reins. He's the biggest travesty. Yeah. You know? But you know, you still, I know it's highly romanticised but you just imagine you know a, an Arsene Wenger in charge of this squad yeah. and you know it genuinely would be a crime against humanity how good that, that, that style would be with those I mean, players lads, I, don't, I don't know if you've ever seen the video of them Scottish fellas at that police station but I'm here to report the crime an international <laughs> yeah, <what>? crime <laughs> um, it, would, it would be exactly that um, and boys I, you know. I'm here to report a crime an international football crime <laughs> um, you know it's it's, a, it's just disgraceful isn't it, it is. yeah I mean who knows Gareth Southgate might be Tony Blair of the Hague but you know don't like <laughs> it there anyway um, we, we so bringing politics uh, into it obviously yeah. midfield Tom you're taking seven Ed, you're taking yeah. eight, and we spoke about your extra man in James Ward-Prowse. I'm also taking eight. However, my extra man is a man we haven't mentioned yet, and that's uh, Mr. Jesse Lingard. And Bring it out. <laughs> Lingard is just a player. I don't really know why. I just do like him. I think he's a good player. You know, for West Ham this year, 15 matches, nine goals, four assists. They are impressive yeah. numbers, you know. Albeit, you know, there was this thing that it's for West Ham and he couldn't make it for United, blah, blah, blah. I think he's a great player. And I think, you know, yeah. if, if James Ward prowls in for a shout, I think you've got to put Jesse Lingard in there. Um, I, I just think, okay, the attacking midfield talent of this England team is, is brilliant. But for me, Lingard, you know, he, he's on good form going into the tournament. And I think he's a player who thrives off that. You know, going into a tournament yeah. like this on good form is the sort of player who could just turn it on for us. Um, you know, I'm not saying he's going to be picked over Grealish, Foden, etc. And I wouldn't want him to be. 
but you know, in those games where you're struggling for a bit of creativity, I think he can bring something you know really special uh, to, to that England team. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I just he's sort of come out of form, hasn't he? Uh, the last yeah. few games. Well, last couple of games he has. Oh. Um, but you, you know, he's still picking up an assist the other night. I think. I think. Yeah. Coming out of form is a harsh statement. I think. I think it was more he was in yeah, incredible no. form, and now he's gone onto more average form. Um, yeah. But you know, last couple of games he's still played an eight point one and a seven point five. So you know, he's not he's not exactly having poor games. Yeah. Mm. For for me, one well, the only reason he doesn't get into my squad is that, you know, I'm on on the assumption that we play a four two three one simply to get the most amount of midfielders in there, and and if you start building yeah. the ten. Then you've got Grealish who can play ten. You've got Mount who can be, play ten. Um, you know, it doesn't leave much space for him really. Um, but I think he's in with a really good shout to get picked on it because you know Southgate obviously really likes him and he, he's a really hard guy to dislike. He's just a really nice guy, and you know yeah. I don't think you'll find you know hard push to find a football fan who's not happy to see his, his rise to prominence again. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I just want to sort of roll back to what Will said about Ward, Prowse and Lingard. Um, I'm, I just, I don't think you take ordinary players to a European Championship and Jesse Lingard has been extraordinary, let's face it, the past three months. But for three years before that, he was ordinary, if not subpar. And I don't see his form continuing into the summer, I've got to be honest. Um, and we've just got better players than him these days and I think it's a luxury to be able to say I'm going to leave out Jesse Lingard I do think he will get in the squad by the way so you'll get your wish granted Will but it's a tough one with Lingard isn't it it is you know it's not I think like you say he's unlucky that he's hit form and yet he plays in the position which is we've seen these players pop up out of nowhere and we're talking about you know that's probably England's strongest position so you know, if yeah. he had that form coming in, and he played as a you know a holding midfielder, I think he'd almost be a must for the team with the you know injuries around that position. So I, you yeah. know, I think he, he's unlucky in his position, but you know I completely understand what you're saying. You know, when you've got the likes of Grealish, Foden, Mount, etc., it is hard to put Jesse Lingard in the same conversation. But I, like I say, I think I don't know. There's just something about him. I just like it. And I think he'd offer I mean, like you said it's the first one, didn't you? Of like Eric Dyer playing FIFA or something, so you know, he has that, that aspect to it as well. Yeah, I mean, you said in the first video that you were going for Lingard, and that was I did. two months ago. And if I remember rightly, me and Tom, you know, we bought, sort of laughed, didn't we? We did a little, um, and how wrong we were, but now, um, a visionary will, that's what I think oh, we yeah, need to start. Definitely. Um I think we've we've done for midfields then. Yeah. Um let's let's go on to the attack. Um obviously a combination of wide players and strikers. We'll start with the wide players. Um I'll I'll kick things off. I've gone for Rashford, um, mm. Sancho. Obviously Grealish and Foden can also play at wide, so they're sort of yeah. hybrid players. And then Another hybrid player in um, Mason Greenwood, who can obviously play on the right hand side or up front if necessary. Um, you know, I think not too many contentious decisions in there, 
Um, I just want to say a quick something on, on Jaden Sancho. Um, I think, and this is a little bit hypocritical after what I've said about Grealish, uh, but, you know, it's very hard for a player to find form at major championships. And so mm. you want your players going in the best form possible. And Jaden Sancho is, you know, the epitome of that right now. He's been He's sensational the second half of the season in the Bundesliga. Had a slow start, but really turned it on. 11, uh, 11 assists, 8 goals. Um, and I still think we're, you know, still to see the best of him for England. Um, yeah. A bit like yeah. Trent, he hasn't put in his best performances for the three lines. But, you know, in the form he's in, if it's going to come, it's going to come now. And it's going to come at the biggest time possible, apart from World Cup. So, yeah, Sancho has to be there for me and makes a really, really good claim to be starting. Yeah, 100%. Um, I mean, we've all got We've all got Sancho in our start in our starting squads, um, and also another player that we've all got in our teams is Harry Kane. I mean, how do you leave out the best striker in the world? He's he's England's captain, and you know how not how important is he going to be to England because we know how important he is for England. But how key do you think he is in being that one player who can win you a tournament? Massive. The key. It is a number, you know, it's not good enough. He's more than just the key. He is everything in this tournament, in my opinion. Mm. Uh, like I said, the best striker in the world, 22 goals, 13 assists in the league this season. You know, finally looks to be leaving Spurs for the betterment of his career. And he can just do everything. There's not, there's no, apart from maybe pace, but even then, he's, he's not exactly slow. Um, yeah. His game is just so perfect. And suits this our style of play perfectly, I think, for England. And yeah, I mean, I feel for any other striker that's sort of going to the tournament because the one player you would don't bring off if you need a goal or you still, you know, you just don't bring off in general is Harry Kane, you know. Um, only if you're sort of three goals up and you want to save him because of obviously his previous injury woes, then you might consider taking him off. But if England are going to be successful at this tournament, it'll be through Harry Kane. Yeah. Yeah, I think you bit the nail on the head there um, with Kane. It's it's just an obvious, isn't it? Um, another player who seems to be an obvious to us boys is Dr. Marcus Rashford. Um, what a guy he is, but what a player he is. Um, the thing I want to ask you about Rashford is because we all know his capabilities on the pitch and we know his link up with Luke Shaw. Um, is he fit enough to, to be prominent for England at a major tournament? It's difficult. It's definitely difficult because of the option that you've got around him. But for me, Rashford is a player who I don't know. I just think I think he is a great he's a great player. And while there mm. is you know many other players who you could potentially put in this position, you know you mentioned earlier, he can play on the left or the right. Can even you know for some reason when playing two up front, he can do a job up front. For me, Rashford is one of the best players in this team. Um, yeah. I haven't been overly sold on him in the league this year. And, yeah, he's had a very good year, which I think sums him up, if you get what I mean. You know, he, he's he's had a good year, and yet it's not a year where everyone's been raving on about him. Uh, certainly not for his on-the-pitch performance, anyway. Um, but, yeah, for me, Rashford, I think is a different sort of player to the others. You know, you've got your Sterling, Phone, etc. The sort of little tricky players. 
you know, Rashford is a tall guy. Um, he's quick, direct, and I just like like his style of play. And for me, I would love to see him linking up with a player like Harry Kane. Um, you know, hopefully mm. it could be the Hyungmin Son to Harry Kane, because um, then those two would just be unstoppable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think also I the, the the link with Luke Shaw can't be understated. I mean, yeah. personally, he wouldn't start for me, but um, you know, he'd be an impact sub partly due to his fitness problems, but also just better informed players out there, in my opinion. And Grealish, I, I mean, I said I'd start Grealish on the left just for that bit, sort of just excitement and wow factor. Um, I think Rashford's so good on the counter attack as well, and against certain sides that could be crucial. Um, his, his pace really could exploit any any potential high lines teams play against us. Um, so no, I think he's got to be there. And yeah, eleven goals and nine assists is still a very very good season. And he also mm. gives a, an option up front if the worst comes to the worst, and all our strikers just all of a sudden can't play. You know, maybe all the, they all yeah. have COVID. And, and all that COVID, yeah. Yeah, you know, but that's a, you know, it's a really unfortunate reality is that you know, there's a reason they extended the squad to 26 is because of the heightened chance of unfortunately where besides someone catching COVID. But um, you'd think if one of them gets it, they'd all get it, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. You'd say that, but I... Darren Moore, <laughs> when Darren Moore got COVID for us, he was the only one out of the whole squad and staff by the sounds yeah, of Yeah, but got these it. guys literally stay in a hotel with just themselves yeah. for weeks on end. Like, yeah, it'd be a bit odd if only one player got COVID, I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, Fab- Fabio Capello will be in his element because I'm, I'm assuming there'll be no wife or kids allowed at the camp, so he'll be there. Yeah. He'll be loving it. Um, but no, um, I think I Rash get that. Good. I get that Peter Crouch podcast reference, and I, I rate it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I'm glad Capello is not our manager anymore. By the way, the man's a football terrorist. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, moving on again to a player we've all got in our squads and there's I think there's quite a lot of recurrence in this in the attacking positions. Um Dominic Calvert Lewin. Now lads, I've got to ask you a key question about Calvert Lewin and he has to go into my squad despite doubts. But A, can this man replicate the form that he showed in the yeah, previous stages of this season? And B, he's not got a single assist in the league this season. Can he even pass a football? Um <laughs> I think Sorry, let's be kind. Yes and yes. Uh, yeah. I think. Uh, yeah. I think he, he obviously, you know, he's not quite sort of Jonathan Lecco for Birmingham levels of inability to pass the football. Um, but no, I think Carver Lewin. He's a weird one. You know, he's a real fox in the box, and that's used far too often. But there's a reason. Like so many of his goals come come inside. You know, the the, the penalty area. Um, but they've all come out coming inside the penalty area actually, um, which shows. And he's a different striker to Kane, a little bit more limited to Kane. Got the best jump I've ever seen a footballer have, barring maybe Ronaldo. Like it's genuinely mm. unbelievable. He's leaving. Lambo Diaby. <laughs> well, he was he didn't get jumped for drugs then, so I'm not yeah. sure. He, not sure it's pretty much a fair test that one. Um, so no, again, he's in there, but will he get much game time? I'm not sure. I, what He's not the sort of player that you think, you know, if we need a goal, take Kane off, bring him on for fresh legs. You'd rather a, a 70% Kane than 100% Carver-Lewin, in my opinion. Yeah. For, for me, Carver-Lewin yeah. is simply there for, you know, we need a goal, you know, in, in, in the last five minutes of a game and you take off a defender and you bring on Carver-Lewin and strum up front. That's, yeah. I, it sounds yeah. harsh because it's, it's sort of undermining his ability, but that is, for me, the sole reason he's going. 
is the fact that he does bring that presence in the box when when you really need a goal that he might be the man to pop up with one. Um, yeah. He's like a he's like a sort of if if we're like a, a Belgium Japan, bring on a Fellaini sort of thing, you know, and yeah. he'll get you out of that hole. Um, you know, the World Cup as as Fellaini did. He's the man there, you know, tall and good in the box. So if something drops for him, you you'd bet your house on him putting it away. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. but yeah. He's, he's a weird one though because he, the stats don't lie, sixteen goals this season, but I still feel there's you know, something about him that's just not world class yet. I'd, I'd, yeah, yeah, I think that's fair enough. Um, now, lads, without this is going to be an Alan Partridgeism, but before I tie belt round your arm, uh, slap your vein and inject you with a pure dose of Mason Greenwood propaganda, um, we've got to ask the question about Raheem Sterling. Um, Ed, you've omitted him from your squad. I've got to admit, I was very, very close to doing the same. Um, the guy's drop off in form has been spectacular, but not in a good way. Um, can you just explain why you have left him out of your 26-man squad? Yeah, it's a weird one because I don't think there has been that necessary drop-off of form, but he's just not, you know, he's been ousted by Phil Foden and, you know, he's just not been good enough. But it's, it's a weird one. You can't know how to describe it. He's not been like, what's happened not... to him? It's just been like... Mm. He's very average all of a sudden. I don't think for a minute that he will get dropped from the England squad. I just want to point out, like, I think yeah. his spot's safe, but subjectively, I don't think he should be going um, on the bus or the plane or whatever you want to call it. Um, I don't think his performance has been that good, and I think we've got better people out wide this tournament. I really do. I don't think he can be relied upon for his finishing when it counts. Um, still an issue for him. Um, and yeah, he just doesn't make the grade for me. Tough one, but doesn't make the grade. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, me, me and you, Tom, we, we have taken him and I didn't have to think about it, you know, and he, for me, was one of the players who snuck in due to the extension on squad size. Um, you know, I think if that wasn't in place, I don't think he would have been going uh, in my squad. And mm. like I said, that's just because it's a really weird one with Sterling. He, he's just sort of fallen out of favour at City um, with the likes of Phil Foden proving how good they are and you know, I think in the future, I can see him. I think his best move would be maybe be a move away from City. Because um, I just, I don't know, I don't think I see Pep falling in love with him anytime soon. But we're still yeah. in, you know, it, it's that game, you're struggling to break down a defence. You can't deny, it, you know, his dribbling and pace is unbelievable at times. You know, he's one of the quickest players uh, in the Premier League. So. For me, for that reason, he goes. But like I say, it's by the skin of his teeth. And if miraculously Southgate left him out of the team, I don't think there'd be a massive amount of complaints. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Um, now, like I said, I've I've got Greenwood in my squad, and I know you've got Greenwood in your squad, Ed. Um, how impressive has this guy been for him to to warrant a place in our in our squads? Because you know, I suggested Greenwood in the first uh, episode of the podcast and, you know, it's, it, it wasn't rubbish by, by you two, but it was sort of like, ah, he's just had a really middling season. Whereas I could, I think you could argue he's carried Manchester United's attack since, you know, April. Um, why, why have you plumped for Greenwood, Ed? Because of this the latter end of the season and he's really up to his performances. 
Um, his mm. finishing's never been in doubt, and I think he brings something different to other players in the squad. Like, another benefit of the extension of the squad size, um, he wouldn't have made it probably in my squad if it hadn't been for that extra three yeah. men available. Um, again, another one who's not necessarily going to get much game time, a bit Bellingham-esque, but you know, you bring him on, he's got versatility, um, and you know, you know that big chance that you need someone to finish. Apart from Kane, you know, um, or Calvert Lewin, I think he's your man to finish it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been still a disappointing season for him, um, but by no means a poor season, especially the latter end yeah. of it, which which has just got him in in for me. Yeah, left foot, right foot, devastating, and that is Mason Greenwood. Um, we've all sort. I mean, I I've just realised now that I've I've not I've not added the twenty sixth man to my squad, so I'm gonna have to do it a bit impromptu. Um, but you you two have, have both added a, a bit of a unique player in your squads. Ed, you've gone Watkins. Will you've gone Bamford? Um, how come you know you went for for Bamford to start, Will? 16 goals, 7 assists. He's a, he's a good striker. Um, I didn't think I'd be saying it myself. Looking at Championship, Patrick Bamford. Um, but I think you've almost got to lose that stigma around him having been the Championship, Patrick Bamford, because this season he's been anything but. He's been yeah. one of the top Premier League strikers. And I think as much as people like to laugh about it, myself included, you've got to start respecting him a bit for that. And for me, in this team, if the worst would happen, Kane gets injured, I'd like to see Bamford mm. leading the line. Um, yeah. And for me, that is, at the start of the season, Carvert-Lewin would have probably been the favourite to do so. But for me, Bamford maybe brings a little bit more, um, well, seven assists. It's impressive numbers um, yeah. for a striker. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I like his style of play. I think he's a bit similar to Carvin Phillips in that he definitely benefits from the lead system. Um, but, you know, I think the, the, the striker role in this England team and the role in that Leeds team won't be too dissimilar, sort of with the pace out wide, utilising that, getting men into the box. I don't think it'll be too dissimilar. And so, yeah, it's probably a bit of an outside call, but Patrick Bamford, for me, it, I've got to take him. Yeah. Ed Watkins. Yeah, um, very tough not to go Bamford really was. Um, I just think Watkins is a bit more of a reliable finisher than Bamford. Um, but Will talked upon there about the, the possibility of if Kane's injured, what do you do? Personally, I'd go to a false nine with Foden, you know, like mm. what City have done at times this yeah. season. I think um, that, I don't, sorry to interrupt you, Ed. That's ideally what would happen. The chance of Gareth Southgate oh. putting us into a false nine with Phil Foden there. There's no chance. It's more likely but... of me getting on playing to that Euros campaign. <laughs> <laughs> There's no chance, but, you know, this is, I guess, what we do, isn't it? So, um, I and I know it's sort of undermining the point of, of choosing Calvert-Lewin and Watkins and, and, to an extent, Greenwood, but I don't really trust any other, anyone other than Kane in the striker role 100%. Um, Watkins, bit of a bit of a wild card. 14 goals, 5 assists this season. Like I said, very close to Bamford. Um, and just for me, Watkins is the more reliable finisher. You still get that mm. sort of haunting flashbacks of, of some Bamford misses. Um, and yeah, I just I just think Watkins is the man you want a little bit more. But again, 
not really a player that's going to feature much, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I mean, I might be wrong here, but I think I'm correct in saying that Patrick Bamford, I think along with um, along with Morpai at Brighton and along with Timo Werner, has the most big chances missed in the league. So he's not completely eradicated those blunders. And in a game against, uh, you know, in the group stages, in a game against the Czech Republic or Croatia, you're going to maybe only get two or three chances in a match. And if you can't bury them, then you're up shit creek without a paddle. And I don't trust either Watkins or Bamford to do to, to, to do the business in that sense. So uh, my 26th man is Tammy Abraham. Um, and I know that he's not had many minutes for Chelsea, so he's probably not going to get picked. Um, but I think it's criminal that he's not, not got minutes for Chelsea. And I'm sure plenty of Chelsea fans will agree with me. He's been, um, well, he was excellent last season. He was excellent the year before Aston Villa in the Championship. And when you've got such a misfiring striker in Timo Werner, not to play Tammy Abraham, who, you know, let's face it, whenever he's played, he's been reliable for Chelsea. You know, he's not let Chelsea down. And, you know, I saw him against us and I thought he was really good. Um I know only six goals in 22 games in the Premier League this season. Most of them have been off the bench appearances, though. And for England, I thought he's looked good when he's played. You know, um, six six games for England um, since 2017, um, when he made his debut, um, one goal. And like again, that most um, appearances were off the bench. I was also tempted maybe to go for a bit of a maverick option in Hudson Odoi, but I, you just can't justify that. But for me, Tammy Abraham, I just think he's that little, little, little bit more reliable when you get in a chance. And I'd have maybe also said Danny Ings, but he just seems so injury prone. And you can't risk him pulling his hamstring within 20 minutes. And then there you go, you've only got 25 players. Um, no, good, good reasoning. Can't really argue against it. I don't think he really suits Tuchel's style, you know, sort of mm. fast like, counter-attacking sort of um, play. You know, the speed of Werner, you know, however bad his finishing may be, his runs are excellent and, and yeah. really suit that style. Um, but, you know, I, I think that, I mean, Will, have you got anything to add on that? No, I think it's um, it's like an outsider shout, but I think you justified it well and you can't argue with it too much. Tammy Abraham is a good striker and it's more just he's fallen out of favour at, at his club, you know, lots, if not, you know, most Premier League teams would get Tammy Abraham in that striker position. You know, he, he's a very yeah. good striker. Uh, so, yeah, it's not an outrageous call. And for some reason, Southgate took, took Tammy Abraham. I don't think you could complain too much. No, definitely. Yeah. Um, um, lads, yeah. I think we've pretty much covered it all um, in this podcast. And I've got to say, even if it is me in that podcast two months ago, me in this podcast now, I think you'll have enjoyed listening to this one that little bit more um, if you're hardcore and have got to this point. Um, if you have got to this point, drop a comment. Who's in your England squad? Maybe don't put all 26 names because it'll be a bit of a bit of a long uh, long one for you if you are commenting. But put in so, sort of three or four players who you don't think get the credit they deserve and should be in Southgate's squad. Um, as always, if you're listening on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. 90% of you aren't subscribed who watch, so it'd be really appreciated if you did. Um, drop a like on the video. The links are in the description to follow us 
on Spotify and Apple. If you're listening on Spotify and Apple, drop a review and subscribe. Um, you can find us on Instagram now at Floodlight Pod. On Facebook, there is a floodlight that never goes out. And as always, on Twitter, at Floodlight Pod. Um, we'll be back very soon with an exciting Sheffield Wednesday season review. And of course, this isn't the last of what we're going to talk about in the Euros. Prepare for a summer of content is all I'm going to say. Um, thanks for listening, as always, and we'll catch you in the next one. Cheers, guys. Thanks, guys.